Keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that. But the really great make you feel that you, too, can become great. That is a quote by Mark Twain. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. As a result of the pandemic, businesses have been forced to use technology in a way they never dreamed of. I know how critical it is for businesses to use secure communication technology solutions to operate and stay connected to their clients, customers, and employees. I recommend and train my clients on secure communication technologies that integrate with their business operations to help them stay connected with their distance clients, customers, and employees while maintaining productivity and profitability. If you are a small or medium-sized business and you don't have an IT department or you're unsure exactly what tech that you need, but you're ready to elevate your business with secure communication technologies, then my communication tech blueprint is for you. Please reach out to me at Next level at Trina L. Martin.com. Welcome to episode 137. The topic of this week's episode is partnership with clients. My guest this week is Chris Garadini. Chris is the president, owner, and CEO of Turnkey Technologies. He helps businesses make better use of technology to drive amazing customer experiences, better processes, and greater profitability to their bottom line. Chris is an expert in business transformation and has a team the size of 50 with a staggering projected revenue of $14 million and over 300 customers. Hi, Chris. Welcome to Trina Talk. Hi, Trina. How are you today? Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm doing well. I'm glad to have you. So thank you for being on with me. I know you're a, a busy a busy business owner. Um, before we delve into the conversation, why don't you tell the listeners who Chris is and how you got to be the person that you are today? Sure. I appreciate that. So uh, today I'm the president, CEO, and owner of Turnkey Technologies. That is a, we're a national leading Microsoft Dynamics practice, implementing ERP and CRM solutions for small and mid-market businesses. The how I got here, well, you know, a long time ago, right? Studying engineering, switched to computer science. Back in the 80s, mom and dad said, computers are a myth, get a job. And I'm like, seriously, but that really began the entrepreneurial career. I had to print cards to pay tuition and Next thing you know, I get sucked into public accounting firms. So comp sci and an accounting firm, you're thinking a little oil in the water and, uh, you know, did a tour of duty there for about seven, eight years. And I learned everything I needed to run a business from end to end. And in 1994, I just had enough confidence to walk out the door and think I could do it better. And here we are 27 years later. So, wow, great. I mean, we're, you know, cut of the same cloth because I have a computer science degree as well. And 
decided to step out on my own. So it's going to be really fun. So we speak the same speak. Um, so I know you mentioned ERP. Um, why don't you tell the listeners exactly what that is and how you help your clients? Sure. So ERP is just a new term for, in the old days, we used to call it accounting software. And so today, ERP stands for Enterprise Resource Planning. And what that means is it's more than just finance. I mean, we we put in business applications. We represent the Microsoft Dynamics 365, which is a fully set of integrated biz apps. And so again, finance all the way through what we'll call supply chain. Those are people that may sell products and distribute products or do e-commerce all the way through manufacturing. Those are companies that design and build products to sell. So um and again, it just wicks into every part of the organization. But how we help them is typically we're, we're connecting with companies that have legacy old technology that's impairing them in some manner from growing their business or making better profits or better margins on things. And as we plan and you know implement a change from the legacy platform to the new business applications, it opens up doors for them and gives them a platform to, to now push forward and grow their business and take advantage of uh, opportunities that may have been uh, excluded because of their old technology. So. And in the end, we want to see them thrive and succeed and be able to scale without throwing people or labor at the problem because they've got the technology and they've got those efficiencies that they've, uh, they've developed. Mm, so here's my question. So these legacy solutions. So I'm, I'm a former mainframe COBOL JCL person, right? <laughs> that's so, the stuff, right? Yeah, so that's exactly. legacy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cobol RPG, yes. AS400s, those are, you know, those are in the museums. The Smithsonian has exactly. those. Exactly. Anyway, that'd be funny. Exactly. No, it's legacy. So it is when, legacy. When you get a business that may be using something like that or whatever, how do you how do you convince them that okay, it's time to upgrade? And how long does it take to get them to switch? Because the Companies that I've programmed for have been some big major corporations and normally, you know, they're not going to change. So how do you get someone to say, okay, move over from Fortran or COBOL, whatever, and go here? Yeah. And I mean, those are, if you look at scale, those large, large enterprises that have, you know, millions of lines of COBOL code, you're right. They're, they're going to be a lot more entrenched and harder to move. And, you know, we're, we're focused more on the small mid market, but typically when a, when an organization has got a legacy platform, they've got pain, you know, and whether they recognize the pain, whether they want to treat the pain, it, it really depends on how bad it gets. And I've got examples where most of the people that we engage with, they know they need to do something because a, you know, in today's climate and ransomware and security threats that, Hey, I can't upgrade my servers. I can't patch them. And guess what? Now I'm vulnerable to all the viruses and ransomware. So there's, there's the first example, or maybe they had a ransomware attack and they're like, okay, we can't upgrade, so we need to we need to change platforms. There's a perfect example of where a pain point comes up that now, with security concerns and cyber issues, you're, you're compromised your whole business. You could be out of business if you don't upgrade. So there's perfect example. I had another guy that during COVID, he couldn't do e-commerce, and he had to pivot because his system couldn't let him attach an e-commerce system. I had another guy that he's an EDI guy, and he had a, he had one of those 20-year-old legacy COBOLs where he had a programmer, a 70-year-old programmer in there. And same thing, he had new customers that wanted to do business with him. You know, and it represented, you know, $20 million a year. And he could not add a $20 million a year account because he had a 20-year-old system and his programmer scratching his head. You know, nice guy. But, you know, again, you're like, hey, what can you do with COBOL? And I'm like, nah, not a lot. You know, APIs, COBOL? No, no such thing, you know. So to that point, <clears throat> normally there's some pain um, and it's a cost of you can't grow. You can't add an opportunity. Maybe it's just I have to throw labor at it. And so then all of a sudden margins erode. So normally there's a compelling reason. Most of the owners, the executives, the CFOs, 
they know there's a problem. They know, or they're they're manually doing stuff and they can't they can't iterate fast enough and they're losing money because of that. We had a group that was making food, and during COVID, they went from five to twenty million, right? manufacturing food. Why? Everybody's ordering in. Well, they were managing the production side of their business with Excel spreadsheets. Guess what happened? They're buying inventory. They're, they got inventory rotting. They showed up to make stuff. They didn't have the materials. And so this company couldn't scale because they couldn't update these manual spreadsheets fast enough. And so there's another perfect example where 20 million and it's all falling apart. So lots of those things, but normally is a realization, you know, I mean, every now and then you got a guy that's like, hey, I'm healthy. And you poke on him. You're like, what'd you do? Mm-hmm. Okay, you have cancer. Okay, I didn't know. But now I'm on that road to recovery, so to speak. But um, there are a lot of people that are latent pain is what it's called. And most of them are in active pain. And they know that it's time to change for one of those reasons I mentioned. Yes. And and I'm glad you mentioned that because that's my thing, too, to telling people that how much will this cost you? And I don't think a lot of the small and medium-sized businesses often think about that. It's like, okay, well, if you're hacked, that could be your business. That could just take you down forever. And like you're saying, if you're a business and you get million-dollar contracts, but you're um, using Excel to try to manage your inventory, that doesn't work either. So how do these people come to you? Are you seeking them out? Do they finally say, okay, something needs to be done and they they contact you? How exactly does that work? It's a combination of things. So, you know, our organization has a number of referral partners and these are people that are out there helping organizations select new systems. So, you know, these are consultancy advocates and they're not selling software, but they're helping these clients of theirs and recommending partners. And so I'm brought into situations by a lot of organizations nationally that look at our reputation, say, well, we're representing the Microsoft Dynamics solution out of maybe five different candidates. And so there's those situations where you compete. And then Microsoft, based on my level with Microsoft in a number of years, Microsoft recommends me and they send people directly to me. <clears throat> and then there's the marketing side of the business where, where you got a marketing team that's working on the website and people search and they find us through search or SEO. So if you go to turnkeytech.com, Live chat jumps up. So that's another great feeder. And then demand gen, right? We run a webinar. Hey, let's educate you about, you know, we've got one coming up in June for DCAA compliance. And what that means is government contractors have to have the ability to support a a DCAA audit from the government, which means they need certain capabilities. So, So we do events. So there's all those mechanisms. People bring me to the party. Microsoft recommends me. And then we do our own demand gen. And and certainly people find us. We're very lucky that the phone rings. But uh, so it's a variety. And referrals referrals work very well for us as well. So lots of mechanisms for people to find turnkey. So Wow, great. Now, on Trina Talk, what I like to do is I like to talk about some failures as well as your successes. Now, you're established now and you've been up and running since 1994. But tell the listeners how that process went. What your, what did your journey look like? You know, and, and people think 27 years, have you got to figure it out yet? You know, it's, it's, and I tell people that this, we iterate. And so we're continuing to refine delivery and even sales processes, but along the way, yeah, it's bumpy. I mean, you, you burn and you learn, you learn and you burn. I don't care which way you say it, but you get into situations where you may not have an ex- enough experience and it's not a straight line to the truth or to the end. And so you know, there's inefficiencies, you end up eroding margins, you end up giving some money back, but they're learning processes. And so you have to, you have to continue to pick yourself up and, and debrief the situation and figure out what do we do good? What do we do bad? How do we remediate the bad? And then you move forward. And again, even as we get into larger, more complex projects, you know, we've, we've evolved what's called a methodology. That's the process as we go through to A, analyze the business requirements, define the requirements, document, identify gaps, and then get consensus from ownership 
and the partner to say, okay, we all agree on what the project really looks like, and then to go through design and analysis. And so there's a very stringent methodology. That evolution to, to have a methodology, it's taken 26 years. I mean, honestly, I mean, we had a methodology 10 years ago, but the evolution of even the methodology, that's how do you engage with customers? How do you do all those things? How do you document define so that you have good accountability and, and again, more accuracy in landing on the target? It's like the math equation in your calculus class, right? There's not a lot of answers. There's one answer, right? So, um, but we evolved and we did. And, you know, we, we've grown consistently over the years. And uh, and again, we're pouring the gas on it this, this time of year. We want to grow. We want to grow faster. So, yeah. So how did business um, fare during the pandemic? Because I know technology has been on the boom, right? Because people have been forced to use technology in ways that they never thought that they would have to. Did your business stay the same? Did it increase? How did that affect you? Sure. And, you know, we were relatively unimpacted is what I would say. You know, the, the, the haha is we have a building here in St. Charles, Missouri, and everybody came and worked in the building and we all worked remote in the building. So as I say that, we always worked remote. We used to just hang out together and work remote. So not coming to the office wasn't that big of a deal. In fact, on snow days, everybody already was used to staying at home and working remote in their pajamas. And I think that was it. It was so that was a non-event, really, just telling people not to come to work. And 15 months later, they're not coming back to work. Kept the building. There's a handful of people. We're doing team meetings. We do some of the social stuff. But and and all that, we still grew 15% last year. So generally speaking, our clients continue to invest in their technology because now they had remote workers and they needed more tools for the remote workers. And perfect examples, accounts payable, where, hey, can we start scanning invoices and routing them electronically? Because there's nobody to open the mail, right? Mm -hmm. Or there's nobody there to pass paper. So a lot of paper went away. People got more electronic. Again, Microsoft Teams is a great platform. That's part of our part of our portfolio. And so we evolved pretty efficiently and um, and then worked on helping customers succeed through the transition as well. Oh, through wow. the pandemic, as you call it. So. Yeah, that's, that's really great. Now, um, you said the MS uh, Microsoft dynamic platform. So can you tell us a, about some of the applications so that if sure. someone is listening, they know exactly what you do? Sure. And so Dynamics 365, and again, it's a it's the Microsoft Cloud Platform, which encompasses Dynamics 365, which is all the business applications. So within that collection, it's like the Microsoft Office brand. Office has a number of products, but Dynamics has two ERP solutions. Those are two of the, one of them is called 365 Finance and Operations, Finance and Supply Chain. That's that's the mid-market enterprise class ERP solution. And then there's also a product called Dynamics 365 Business Central, which is a small mid-market. So uh, the big one came from AX. The, the, the Business Central came from Navision. Those were both the legacy, as they call them, the on-prem solutions. The other part of the Dynamics 365 collection is what's been rebranded as customer engagement, otherwise known as CRM. It includes sales and marketing and field service and project services. So it, there's a, a lot of pieces in that Dynamics 365 collection. And the rest of the Microsoft Cloud is Azure and, and Office, Modern Workplace. So, But in our, our focus is the Dynamics 365 portfolio. And we represent all the cloud-based solutions as well as all those legacy on-premise solutions, AX, GP, SL, NAV. Again, trying to move people to cloud and or support them in their on-premise product lines. So, mm -hmm. Now, how does that work with your clients or if, with the cloud? Because I know a lot of people are like, ooh, the cloud, that's a big scary thing. <laughs> how... How is that working converting your clients? And do you have pushback or do you have to really like take them from ground zero and explain to them the benefits of integrating cloud services? You know, it's it's not like cloud just showed up today. So the, the education and the realization that that's, that's the destination for most businesses, 
um, has been starting. I mean, we had a hosting practice for about eight years. So we started putting people in the cloud eight years ago, the private cloud. Um, but but I would say that most of the clients are, are embracing the cloud because there's so much cost saving long term once you move your business up there. And they you know, the high availability, the security and governance is probably the biggest thing. So I've I've moved all my off-premise, app, on-premise applications up to the cloud myself, and we can operate anywhere, anytime. So I would say that most business owners have come to the realization that it's a better place to have their stuff in the cloud than on-premise uh, infrastructure. And again, it's just, it's risk mitigation. Again, we, there's no more fiefdoms, right? IT fiefdoms. Oh, I'm afraid to fire my IT guy. He'll submarine my whole business. Well, again, in the cloud, Microsoft is your is your partner. And again, it's just that simple. But I, I see high embracing of that. Five years ago, different conversation, right? Right. It's like in the mid-90s, people said, I got to have an email address. And we're like, yeah, it's like not having a telephone in your house. And remember, you many of you probably don't remember when people didn't have telephones. But if you told somebody you didn't have a telephone, they'd be like, what's wrong with you? Right. Again, imagine not having an email. And now you're like, oh, you're not in the cloud. Why not? So, again, the people people have evolved in terms of their thinking and understanding of that. Yeah, that's great. And it's funny you mentioned telephone because I have a friend that still has a landline in her house. And I'm like, is that a phone? <laughs> I'm like, You actually have a telephone? Does it work? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, get rid it's of that thing. Rotary? It's a rotary phone? I don't, you know. Yeah, it might as well be. It's like, what uh, are you doing? We have a landline in our house. We don't use it. We don't answer it. People are like, right. don't call that number. They're like, why do you have it? Uh, I don't know. Maybe for the maybe for the AT&T U-verse. It comes with the TV. <laughs> but that's funny, isn't it? We don't use it. Yeah, you don't use it. It's like, why? So I think people feel like it's like paper. Oh, I, I got to have a phone in my house. Just like you got to have paper. You got to right. That's it's anyway, you'll let go of it eventually. It's crazy. So tell me about partnerships with your client. What makes a good partnership? You know, the way that we approach our client relationships is we like to think of ourselves as an adjunct to the executive team, which means we really we really take ownership and we really stand in there and look around and survey is, okay. we're we're driving change. And where we come in and we get the leadership role, and again, we don't wait for them to figure out how to implement. We want to lead them to that better place. And I think that as you think about partnering, where you know, in our best interest is the organization's goal and outcomes, and we take that and we make that part of our credo to deliver that for them. And I think that as as, as we have that type of integrity and and we're really driving to see those outcomes and really chase them all the way through. We don't quit before we're done, and we want to make sure that we see those outcomes. And and you know, again, we deliver on the promise. And I think that really takes partnership to a new level. Again, trust, accountability. I mean, you've got to start there, right? And you've got to deliver on the promise. And I think if you do all those things, from our standpoint, like I said, we're standing in there, you know, and we don't we don't leave before the job is done. And and if we don't do it right, we make it right. But again, that that brings our partnerships to a new level with these organizations is because we really do consider ourselves an extension of the company. That's my opinion, yeah. of course, but it seems to be working for us over all the years. So. In, and that matters because, like I said, being a, a programmer uh, and I've worked for big corporations that have spent millions of dollars with some of these bigger firms and I won't name any, but they pay for them to come in and provide a solution or something. And then I would be the one that would have to reprogram this system to integrate with everything else. And I'm thinking, well, why did you pay this company, you know, millions of dollars when I'm the one writing it over. So I think that's very important for people to understand that trust is very important, um, especially in technology, because there's a lot of people out there that it just, you know, say, oh, okay, well, you need this. And it's not really what they need, but they know because 
they can sell them a package solution that will cost X dollars. That's what they do. What do you think about things like that when you're dealing with a major corporation and yeah, people are paying them big money and then they don't even fulfill the whole need? Yeah, it's, they're pulling a fast one. And I mean that, you know, the accountability goes there and you think about, you know, how do they avoid that versus how do they mitigate it? But I think even checking references on partners to make sure that you see accountability in them. Again, that's the first one. People don't just give trust, you earn trust. And I think that if, if an organization pays that much money and the guy slips out the back door and he doesn't have to finish the job and he's still got the cash, it's like, I'd like to call the police. Mm-hmm. Say, can't you have him arrested? Because it's theft. I mean, in my opinion, but certainly the laws in the country don't substantiate that. But it is, it's a, it, it Again, I don't like to hear those outcomes, frankly. I've come in behind partners that drop an implementation, don't finish it, mm-hmm. and took a ton of money off the table. And it makes it harder for companies like us to come in and do a good job because the company that you're coming in, they're 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 you know they're shy. They're not gonna they're not gonna trust people. Mm-hmm. Again, it's like coming out of a bad relationship. Man, your guard is up, and you know I tell you, they don't believe anything, and and then that becomes a harder situation to work into, and it and it hurts the company. Because now they're not going to get the services they may need because they have a trust problem because they've been burned. So there's a lot of consequences of a bad experience like that, in my opinion. So Yes, yes. And it seems like you work to really be different. That's what sets, your, sets you apart from these really huge corporations because you are saying, okay, I'm accountable. If, if things are not right, we're going to make it right. And, you know, you're working to get that trust. So that's something that, yeah, some of these big corporations have been around for a while and they have the XYZ client list. They really don't feel that way because they figure, oh, you know, you're one of however many. So they're not worried about that, um, which I think is still um, unsatisfactory because, you know, you're still dealing with people and their businesses. So you still need to be accountable for that. And for us, reputation is everything. Right. I mean, it really is. And in 27 years, we've never sued a client. We've never not finished a project. And again, like I said, we we, we carry that around. And that's a pride factor as you come into an organization and establish fit and establish those, those guidelines and objectives and deliver on that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, I can go on talking to you forever because, you know, this whole tech thing of like, oh, yeah, I love technology. It's like it's so great. But man, you've been in business since 1994. Um, Wow, just doing so many great things. Um, I'm going to switch over to our questions. Are you ready for those? You go, you go, (laughs) rapid fire. All right. Who or what motivates you? Who or what motivates me? My family motivates me, frankly. My wife thinks I do it for myself, but honestly, there's there's an ambition there is to, to get to that next level of security and it is security still family security. So, you know, but, but that drives me. And and again, this operational efficiency drives me still too. I tell my dad, I'm not really retired because I'm not done yet. He goes, what's that mean? I go, well, it's not tuned up perfectly. It's like you continue to tweak your computer program because you want that optimal outcome. So there's a couple of things that drive me. My family drives me in this, this, it's not a perfection mentality, but it certainly is an optimization ambition um, to feel like, okay, I did pretty good. I'm 90 something percent. It'll never be 100%, but nothing ever is 100%, but that's it. What demotivates you? Mm, You know, people are a challenge and, you know, there's setbacks. I I often say there's a two-step forward, one step backward, you know. But personnel are challenging. And I, and it's not that they do motivate me. They just they, they may deflate me just a moment. There's a little bump there. I'm like, man, all right, next. And that's all it is. It's just, it's people. And it's and it's frustrating. But, you know, you can't control that. I mean, we're not machines. And people go in and out of their own challenges in life. And you get 
sometimes you get a ripple effect from that. That's it. It's not demotivating necessarily. It's just gives you pause, but it also gives you, you know, some momentum to come back at this and overcome those types of things as well. Yes. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked out for your good? You know, I, I mean, I had a guy that abused me. He actually filed a federal lawsuit on me to get me to, to do some work that wasn't part of our scope. It, it changed me. Boy, it hurt me. It, it made me mad. And I was like, OK, it's like somebody putting a gun to your head and said, you'll do this. I think we had a term in there. It said reporting allowance, 24 hours. And he interpreted that to mean I need 100 reports and you'll do them all for 24 hours. And we're like, you know, back to the gun to that. And we're like, OK, don't shoot. We'll finish it. But it's a lesson you learn. And yeah, it hurt us. And we took a financial hit. And, you know, people still get paid, even if they're working, working for free for me. But uh, but that was that was a you know, kind of gives you. And again, you're focused on scope and, and, and more detail and making sure that there's no assumptions. Right. Get rid of all the assumptions. But we learned from it and we, we came out of that stronger. Um, again, we were not real happy about it, but we we did it. We still did it. He said, all right, guys, we don't have a choice. Let's do it. Let's do it right. And then let's figure out how to never be in the situation again. Um, and that's been a long time. It's been about 10 years ago, but I still remember it. Wow. That's a good point. Saw, Make sure I saw this guy on clear. LinkedIn just the other day and I thought, man, I don't know. I'm not going to say anything. I just let it go. Right? <laughs> Did you let flag him? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't do anything. I didn't even look at his profile because I don't want him to see him looking at me looking at him. Right. Or whatever. So. Yeah, you, you almost <laughs> want to flash that like warning, warning to other people. Don't do business with him. <laughs> He has a red X, big red X on his profile. Well, how do you put that on there? How do you? Anyway, exactly. Uh, like, no. I'm sure as comp side people, we could figure out how to go put a big red X on somebody on LinkedIn. And it'd be like, how do you get that off? <laughs> nah, can't. Can't. It's, it's there. <laughs> it's a great, you're going to write that one down? <laughs> Ask a guest. Could you give me? Yeah. Anyway. We have X on people I don't like. Uh, what is your fear? My fear uh, uh, that I'm not going to live forever. I don't know. It's like a joke. You know, I've had a, I had a friend check out about a week ago and I'm like, man. Don't do that. So, you know, it's not out of a fear of dying. I just have a fear of dying too soon, not being done or not seeing my kids grow up. That's it. That's the only thing that, and it doesn't bother me a lot, but you think about it and you're like, you know, it just is. As people around you start falling down, you're like, hey, okay. But other than that, you know, there's not a fear of failure or anything like that. I mean, I feel like I've been very successful and, but there's more to do. And I think that's it. It's like, I'm not done yet. Just as I said, so maybe the fear is just not doing everything I think I want to do, or I feel like I need to do. I think that's about it, but it's not like a haunting fear or anything like that. So yeah. I sleep really good at night. So <laughs> is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Uh, you know, everybody always has regret, uh, you know, and is it doing something or not doing something? I think you regret doing. I mean, it's interesting. I don't, I don't have a specific scenario, but yeah, there's, there's things that, you know, and I think it's, maybe it's even a human interaction where I could have done something and I didn't, and I should have. And I mean, you remorse on those things, but it's probably that it's probably something where there was an opportunity to say something and I didn't say anything. And, you know, I had a term last week that was presented in a session called self-censorship. Oh my gosh, I hadn't heard that before, but people shut themselves up when they really should speak. And there's an example where my fault, I should have, I should have opened my mouth and I didn't open my mouth. It's not a specific example, but it's a, it's a recognition that we shouldn't self-censor ourselves. If we have something relevant to speak about, we should speak up and not be afraid um, to be canceled as they would say today, but it's a tricky landscape, isn't it? So, yes. What is your definition of success? You know, it's, it's, it's balance. It's happiness. I mean, it's, it's making the people around you happy. I mean, it really is that, I mean, certainly people, there's financial measures, but 
again, if you, if you think about the happiness factor, happiness is, is bigger than just monetary, but it, it, it rolls up a lot of things, but, you know, happiness for yourself, balance, you know, you know, again, not to have a, a good neutral pH. I always talk about pH of people. It's like not to be toxic, but I mean, that's it. And there's a lot of things that roll up to get people happy, but that is success. When you find peace and happiness, yeah. you know, and you're not driving yourself crazy. I mean, that's success to some degree, because you think about how many people struggle all the time. They're struggling for this. They're struggling for that. They're trying to make their family happy. They're trying to, but that's it. It's to find balance and to find some peace and happiness. I think that gets you, you're successful if you get to that. And I think that that definition applies to everybody. It's not, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be a millionaire to be successful. You could be, it doesn't matter what you do to be successful. If you, you look at that definition. Oh yeah, definitely. So you being the hardworking man that you are, how do you recharge? I uh, I have a 122 acres, about 35 minutes west of this building, and I am playing around out there. I have this honking tractor that I bought, and so I'm out there. We joke. I'm, my kid, my eight-year-old goes, well, we have a farm, but we're not farmers. And so, but that's it. That's the recharge is we go out there and we screw around and we have a buggy that we drive in the woods and act like idiots. And, you know, we put in a strawberry patch on Sunday and we planted probably... 60 strawberry plants and that'll never go away. That'll, that's a perennial. So that's just simple stuff. You know, you're saying gardening in the woods back it's outside and I have a wonderful swimming pool that's heated up. And so I like to just deep, you know, detach and it's it decompress. I think that's it. So if it's outdoors, outdoors is the answer. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Aside from tech, what are you awesome at? You know, I'm a really good bow hunter. I mean, so I actually last year, I, I, Again, I took, I shot four deer last year. So three wow. with a bow. And I mean, this is, everybody's like, why do you do that? I'm like, you know, I get up at four o'clock in the morning. I sneak out there. I sneak in the woods and, and you see things and you experience nature. It's back to that. And and for me, there's some marksmanship in there to hunt with a bow and, and, you know, and it's cool. I mean, I do a lot of things. I swim. I, like I said, there's a bunch of stuff, but that one is, it's pretty good. I, I hit one last year. It was about a hundred yards away at 10 minutes to seven in the morning. And people are like, holy cow. I'm like, I couldn't believe it. And they're like, what a shot. So, you know, that's just a little thing that I'm, I'm good at. And I think last year was pretty fun and it's fun. And I feed a lot of people. So I don't, this is, we get food away. So that's, that's the other thing that, you know, we're focused on is, is how do you, how do you give back? So. That's pretty impressive. My, my adoptive father was a Navy SEAL and his his weapon of choice was crossbow in Vietnam. So that's very impressive that you use a bow to hunt deer. That's, um, that's interesting. Uh, Three of them, three of them with a bow last year, last fall. So that's amazing. It's exciting. You know what? It's exhilarating. I mean, it's a lot of work. Don't get me wrong. I mean, anybody that's done that and you have to go in there and take care of business after you, you know, pulling the trigger is the easy part. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's yeah. What legacy do you want to leave? You know, it's, it's, it's a family, it's a happy family. It's a successful family using that definition. You know, I mean, that really is, that's the pride that you have. What else do you have? It's not about, you know, the business, the business has done good, you know, turnkey is going to carry on and who knows, we may join something bigger at some point in the future, but short-term, you know, turnkey is not the legacy, but the family and the, and the happiness and the intactful and, and having an intact, that's it. It's just that simple. It doesn't need to be much more complicated than that. Provide them the security and all the opportunities they need to get to their, happy destinations. That's success for me as well. So tell the listeners how they can stay connected with you. If they need your services, whatever it is you have to offer, tell the, tell the listeners how they can find you. Sure. Best way is to go to my website, uh, turnkeytech.com, T-U-R-N-K-E-Y-T-E-C.com. If you land on my site, live chat will jump up. Just say, Hey, I want to talk to Chris 
Or you can do a form submit, say, I want to talk to Chris about business applications and how he can help me make more money in my business and make my employees happier. So I'd love to have a conversation, but that's the easiest way. Just go to the website. Great. Well, Chris, thank you for being on with us today. I know you've had a long day, so I just want to say thank you for your time. Appreciate it, Trina. It's been a pleasure. If you like Trina Talk Podcast, please don't forget to go out to iTunes and rate it five stars and leave a review. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their lives? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination.